been a strange time in Sydney. Uh, the, the, the pollution, the actual sort of smoke pollution has been really quite unsettling. Uh, now, not, obviously not every day, but on the particularly heavy days, it's been... Uh, I've never seen anything like it. Actually, on, on heavy days in Sydney, my suburb has got worse air quality than fire grounds I've worked on as a firefighter. Um, it's, it's that severe. Like, it's really... The smoke's visible. Uh, it gets inside your house. Everything's covered with a, a layer of particulate... Uh, people are getting respiratory, kind of, you know, little niggles and coughs and so forth. Children are getting uptight. Um, it's 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 quite remarkable. And everyone's seen the figures, you know, like our air quality is actually worse than Delhi um, on any given day at the, at the height of this crisis, which which um, I think puts it in scale. In terms of the size of the fires themselves, look, the, the fire in the Grace Valley, the Gospers Mountain fire, is now actually, I think it's twice or three times the size of the um, fires which went through the Amazon. Um, it's it's beyond a scale which is easily comprehended. For those of you who know New South Wales, it basically stretches from Lithgow through to the Central Coast. That fire won't go out until rain arrives. Um, similarly to the fires down in the Wollandilly area and now the South Coast Inferno. Um, you know, these are these are fires which you know we do not possess the. The, the sort of strength of numbers or the or the technology to put out. It's something which will go out when, when the rains arrive. Certainly. Now, I was uh, reading uh, last night, I believe uh, you shared via your social media, this uh, quite brilliant article by Brian Gilligan um, about hazard reduction, the hazard reduction debate. And I, I guess there's been, you know, a lot of mudslinging uh, and, and, you know, trying to shift the blame, particularly from the New South Wales government and, of course, our federal government in terms of, I guess, you know, the idea of cutting red tape. This is something Scott Morrison has talked about a lot. And uh, and it's a really, a, really a complex issue. And this is, I guess, why this article in the land is, is such a, a good one is, is as uh, Brian goes into the complexities of it. But in terms of, um, you know, obviously we're, we're dealing with the, the immediacy of the, the fires as they are. But in terms of, the, I guess, a lot of the, the discourse around uh, hazard reduction and burn-offs and so forth, I mean, you yourself have spent, um, you know, a long time as, as a firefighter and, and involved in this area. I mean, what, what is your feeling on, on, this, on this debate? Are, are people being sincere? Is there, you know, is there, is there do you think, a, a real, um, I guess, genuine approach from the, the federal government and the state government to, to really address this issue and look at, you know, what are the root causes for these uh, horrific fires or is it more just sort of politics and, and mudslinging? Oh, very much the latter. Look, it's, it's, it's actually, it really concerns me because in some ways I think this, this stuff tells more into culture war kind of territory. So uh, the idea that the Greens, whatever the Greens are, have somehow stopped you know, horny-handed son of toil firefighters from doing their job. It's just not true. Uh, and I say that as someone who's both a professional firefighter and a member of an environmental party. I mean, like, I've got to put in both camps. I can tell you it's just not true. Uh, there's been, over the last 30 years, there's been a change in, in the way people understand uh, hazard reduction because there's an increased appreciation for the natural, natural environment. But um, the only limitations that we really had over the last winter in terms of getting hazard reductions done weren't from feral greens chaining themselves to trees. It was because it was so hot that the days which were appropriate for hazard reductions uh, had got lesser numbers. Like the window for hazard reduction is, is getting smaller in a, in a world which is heating. So that's, that's the issue. Uh, but if you recognise that that's the issue, it then raises the question, well, why is the world heating? And if you're all about providing some kind of you know, protection for fossil fuel companies, you don't want that question asked. So it's easier to 
to roll out this old trope, but it's um it's just not true, and people need to understand that. Um, you know, and, and you don't have to take lefty firefighters like my, my word for it. Like you know, Greg Mullins, the ex-boss of Fire Rescue New South Wales, is on the record as just saying this is not the case. So I'm um, look, you know, it, it needs to be treated with the contempt it deserves because it is out there, and people seem to kind of give it some kind of credence, and it just needs to be knocked on the head. I guess uh, talking about uh, that that sort of political response, there seems to be an overwhelming, uh, I guess, hostility towards the prime minister. That at least here in Indian media, we don't we don't mind at all, and and he's even copped uh, a significant amount of flack from within his uh, within within his party. We've seen your sort of liberal figures uh, saying to criticise uh, Scott Morrison. Uh, I guess you know there's this immediate um, you know uh, I guess pressing issue of dealing with the fires, and I want to speak to that in a moment. But I guess talking about the political response or what might uh, come out of this in terms of a response to the to the federal government and the state government and perhaps a challenge to the Liberals. Uh, there seems to be a lot of, you know, kind of throwing Scott Morrison under the bus by even the Liberals themselves, but perhaps not a broader uh, or at least in-depth critique of, of the politics behind this. I mean, where do you see the political response going in terms of, you know, any potential sort of uh, social movements or change that might, might come out of this uh, tragedy? Look, I think what you're seeing at the moment is the uh, the, the kind of powers that be, you know, the, the existing, you know, the heads of the major political parties, the the sort of, the, you know, the, the media pundits, the people who are recognised as being, you know, to use a Morrison term, the people inside the Canberra bubble uh, and, you know, the Macquarie Street bubble and the, I don't know what your state parliament, WA, where it's based, but you know what I mean, like those kind of professional politicians, industry figures and so forth. They're the ones who are now currently uh, scrambling to find some of the blame or to get some kind of narrative up which works for them. And that's what you'd expect to see in a crisis. In terms of potential you know, good coming out of this silver lining in these clouds, uh, I don't really think it's going to come from those people. I think what, we're, what I'm hoping to see is that... Uh, before, just People should remember, before these fires kicked off, the Extinction Rebellion stuff was, was on the boil. The school students were on the boil. So prior to this disaster... We were seeing the, the emergence of a climate change movement which was bigger, uh, more radical, more determined, uh, more energetic than anything I'd seen in, in a good decade. So I'm hoping that that's only been supercharged and that as the dust begins to settle and as the flames begin to subside, it won't be a question of whether one part of the Liberal Party is turning on another or whether the Labor opposition finally gets, you know, grows a spine and does something, that these won't be the issue. The issue will be that the, the social movement itself is thrusting this front and centre into the national discourse and that those other players are responding to what we're doing as opposed to shuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic. Certainly. Just finally, before we let you go, Jim, I think one uh, positive that I've really sort of witnessed through this is that uh, incredible sort of community solidarity, both on the ground in the fire affected areas, but also, I guess, around the country. And, and, and there's probably a question as to why should people be donating so much money and why, why isn't the government actually, you know, perhaps uh, selling off one of our, our, our submarines or something like that and, and, and yeah, putting some yeah. money into it. But there has been this incredible, overwhelming support for the communities there. I believe that uh, the fundraiser, uh, one of the major fundraisers is, is nearly up to fifteen million dollars. There's millions of dollars and and and, and donations being uh, you know directed towards the communities affected, both in New South Wales and in Victoria. Uh, 
Is that something that you think, you know, I guess talking about sort of silver lining and positives, is that something that has been quite impressive for yourself, the fact that how much people have banded together and, and also how much this sort of uh, community resilience is really based in a, in a kind of, um, I, I guess, a direct community sense. It's not really coming from the top down. It's people self-organising uh, in their communities to, to look out for each other when the, when the government has so, uh, you know, incredibly failed them. Yeah, absolutely. I was just saying to um, a comrade of mine today, actually, that, one of the interesting things about events like this is how the competitive and, and you know, in some ways quite destructive uh, relationship between volunteer firefighters and paid firefighters largely breaks down in situations like this. So on the fire ground, rather than it being two separate services competing for space where identities are defined against the other and so forth, uh, and where the management of those two services are viciously trying to contest space for terrain and for money, um, on fire grounds like these, you know, those those kind of distinctions blur when you're actually at the coalface. And you just get on with it and people do amazing jobs and it's really lovely, you know. And and that is, you know, look, writ small for how people are looking at the charity charity stuff or the, the extra... I mean, I know MUA members are trying to get ships together at the moment to go down and assist with um, taking people off beaches on the south coast. I mean, this is all lovely stuff. And what it really does is it gives lie to that kind of, you know, neoliberal idea of us all as being simply these individual economic actors who are trying to maximise the economic outcomes for ourselves. You know, it reminds you that that's one type of human nature, but the other type of human nature is people actually, you know, standing shoulder to shoulder, doing their best for one another and trying to make the world a better place. So, you know, if we can keep that kind of energy into the movement around fossil fuels and the movement around global heating, uh, I feel quite optimistic.